Wicked Library has released its first ever written anthology. Available now, order yours by heading to thewickedlibrary.com forward slash read. We've collected 13 wicked tales for you, including a special version of the private collector story, The Son of Smokeless Fire, as well as 12 other all-new tales that take place in libraries and other places of knowledge. Hold in your hands for the first time a physical book from the librarian's own private collection, featuring tales from some of your favorite authors from the show. Be warned though, like all books from his collection, this one is hungry for your fear. Feed it today by ordering a copy from Amazon at thewickedlibrary.com forward slash read. Too afraid to hold an actual copy of this wicked book in your hands? Pre-order a digital copy for your Kindle at thewickedlibrary.com forward slash ebook. Order now and get it delivered on Halloween. Ninth Story Studios, giving story a voice. You're listening to The Private Collector. Hang on to your hats. Things are about to get weird. Episodes of The Private Collector are heard first, ad-free, by supporters of the show. To support the show and gain access to episodes of The Private Collector a year before anyone else hears them, support the show on patreon.com forward slash wicked library or with a membership at thewickedlibrary.com. Hello, kiddies. It's your librarian here with a special announcement. The fine folks in Gwinnett, Georgia have invited the Wicked Library to perform during their Spirits and Spirits Fun at the Aurora Theater October 14th. The show starts at 8 o'clock and it's only $25 to get in. You get to watch the Wicked Library perform before your very steaming eyes, live in a lovely theater. There will also be adult beverages to help enhance the immersive atmosphere. Why, I think I'm even going to be there as well, kiddies. (laughs) Go to tickets.auroratheater.com and get yourself some tickets. It's only a paltry $25, but the going-to-go fast seating is limited. We'll be featuring stories from K.B. Goddard, Christopher Long, Daniel Foytick, and Nelson W. Piles, with a custom music score by We Talk of Dreams and live painting from Jeanette Andromeda. Go to tickets.auroratheater.com. This event is sponsored by Explore Gwinnett. We'll see you in Georgia, kiddies. <laughs> Today's episode of The Private Collector features the voice talents of Joshua Narcho, Nelson W. Piles, and Daniel Foytek.
Private Collector. Season 1, Episode 8, The Book of Skins and Bone, by Aaron Vleck. It was six weeks before I was back in Hudson, and that gave me plenty of time to stew in my own juices. I was feeling like a patsy in this whole librarian caper, and Brenda or no Brenda, I was ready to pack up my toys and head home, if there'd been a home to head back to. I'd had my share of adventures before the librarian, though, truth be told, nothing on this scale. But I was used to running my own show, and even though I was his man in all this, on his dime as they say, Frank Enfield was nobody's patsy. First thing back at my hotel in Hudson, I crawled under the covers with my old buddy Johnny Walker and his pal Do Not Disturb, and slept like the dead for three days. Got up when I woke up, showered, and made a beeline for the library. Brenda had given me a key so I could come and go for night work, so I let myself in and barreled down the stairs and stood at the wooden doors of the librarian's lair. When I banged on it with my fist, it opened immediately, and he just stood there in a Turkish caftan and slippers. Who the hell are you? I locked his gaze with mine, smiling inwardly when his eyes widened in surprise. Well, well, Mr. Enfield, it seems you have a burr under your saddle blanket. Tell me what's on your mind. Enjoyed our little trip to the mysterious east, did we? <laughs> I tossed the cheap paperback of the Necronomicon onto his desk. Here you go. That's the best I could do, and almost wound up in a blathering heap of human slop, worshipping some nightmare out of time and space in the middle of the desert. But hey, always happy to oblige. You might check the publication date on that while you're at it. Nice bit of juju there. Your buddy in Cairo was a real pal. Now, now, Mr. Enfield, do I detect a trace of malaise in your demeanor? Yeah, whatever you say, but I seem to spend all my time around here bent from Sunday like a dog's hind leg, and I've about had it. I sounded more like a sulking punk than a badass detective. Sulking punk? Oh, I do like that. Very apropos, I should think. Yeah, yeah, so you're a mind reader. But you know the score. I run these little errands of yours, more or less successfully, and always every goddamn time by the skin of my teeth and what do i get out of it more of your damn laughing and then flung into the next cesspool of madness so that's all you've gained from these little errands as you call them nothing more the librarian glared at me and i thought he was going to toss me out on my ass and i wasn't quite sure how i felt about that that was not a rhetorical question, Mr. Enfield. I expect an answer. All right, all right. Keep your shorts on. Sure. There's always something new to fathom on the other side of things. Yeah, I'll grant you. And that thing with my buddy Doug and his mama, that was a good turn. And I'm forever grateful for that. I was feeling kind of like a shitheel and wondering if it was nerves or something else that set me off. Very well, Mr. Enfield. I'll make you a deal. You go on one last little errand for me, and when you return, if you choose to return, we can decide to continue our arrangement, or I can pay you off and send you on your way. Deal? 
I realized that the last few minutes had been silent of his signature chuckling, and it chilled my backside. Deal, but what do you mean, pay me off? Yes, pay you off. By your silence, as they say in the movies. You keep all the knowledge you've accrued in our time together, but you can never speak of it or me to anyone, so long as you live. I will pay you most handsomely for this small boon I shall demand of you. Most handsomely indeed. And it would behoove you to take this deal as it is offered only once. Kiss and tell about your time here, and your one-time friends and companions will become most disagreeable. Do not forget that, Mr. Enfield. No, sure thing. Yeah, okay, so what's the... I stopped dead in my tracks and didn't let the word caper slip. Somehow I wasn't feeling as funny or even mad at the moment. I was stunned by this turn in the librarian, and all the bluster had seeped out of my sails. What's the job, and when do I leave? I'm going to make it easy on you this perhaps last time. Go out west. However you get there is your own affair. Make your way to New Mexico, to a place called Las Cruces, a secluded little desert burg that can be quite charming in its way. Once there, secure a sound vehicle, and then find Coyote and seek his counsel. Sorry for being so cryptic, but it's in the nature of the journey. So, what am I searching for this time? Uh, what book? I wanted to get out of there before the librarian changed his mind and decided to become most disagreeable. Searching, Mr. Enfield? Why, you're searching for Coyote. Find him and pay close attention. He'll know what to do. But be warned, I'm afraid he is neither as gentle nor forgiving as I am. And if for some reason we don't cross paths again, Frank, it's been a pleasure. The librarian rose from his chair and came to stand right in front of me, his hand extended. It was the first time he'd ever called me by my first name or shook my hand. Then he hustled me out of his office, and the next day I was on the train headed west. I still had no idea, really, who the hell he was. Say, fella, you really believe in Coyote, do you? I mean, really believe? The guy in the cowboy hat poured my whiskey and shoved it toward me across the bar with the stump of a hand missing a couple fingers. It looked as if I was off and running, and I'd only been in New Mexico for a few hours. I tossed back the shot and slammed the glass down with a nod. He poured me another and continued. Because if you do, then you know if he wants you, he just trots right up and hoists his leg and marks you as his own. He doesn't ask if you're interested or not, or what gods you pray to or don't, or the color of your hide. Then again... Maybe he just needed to take a piss, and you got in the way. <laughs> the guy started roaring and slapping his knee, and the dozen or so other grizzled characters in their dusty leathers and boots joined in. I laughed too, because it was pretty funny. That must have been my price of admission, because the guy quit laughing and turned serious, staring me down. You looking for Coyote, are you? Don't bother denying it. I can always tell. Or maybe he's already found you. Looking is all at this point, I guess. You real? Man with an address I can look up, or a myth, or what? <laughs> what? 
You thought Coyote was a man? Some kind of wild dog or maybe a spirit from the before times, yeah? Well, I'll tell you something, all right. Coyote ain't none of them things. And he's all of them and a whole lot more. You go looking for Coyote out there in his desert. You can count on one thing, son. He'll find you and you don't need no damn address. (laughs) Well, this one's on me. Now drink up and get. Closing time. I slammed my drink and headed to the flop house I'd booked for the night. The guy at the desk told me about another guy down at the garage who could rent me an old Ford for a few days. When I picked up the keys, he'd given me the lowdown on the Ford's peculiarities and advised me to fill as many cans of gas as I could afford and she could hold and a few more of water or I'd be dead before I crossed half the desert between here and somewhere else. So I took his advice and at sunset hit the road in search of Coyote, whoever or whatever he was. Beyond the city limits, it was one desolate stretch of road, just flat gray earth, empty as far as the eye could see in all directions of anything but scrub and a few jackrabbits. But I was glad to be out there, and I figured it was good to have time to think things over. It could be no worse than anything else the librarian had got me tangled up in. Just past sunset that day, I spotted a pair of headlights coming up fast on my tail. For no reason, it kind of spooked me. Probably because I hadn't seen anybody on the road all day, and only a lone figure on horseback off in the distance now and then. I slowed and let them pass. Another old pickup like the one I was driving. The two guys inside looked me over hard, and then floored it and roared on ahead, and I fell back a ways to put some distance between us. A couple of hours later, I saw more headlights in my rearview mirror, and without thinking, I floored it. Not sure if I could outrun anybody, to where I had no clue, but I felt something prickling on the back of my neck, and it said, Run. The lights disappeared for a while, and I slowed and drove at an easy clip. But then the headlights appeared again, just as the moon started to dip. They caught up with me and pulled up alongside, and I could see it was the same pickup with the two guys again, which just didn't seem possible. The grizzled old driver grinned at me like a maniac, and then started hooping and hollering. Then they ran me off the road and my truck crashed straight into a ditch and came to a halt. I got out and stood next to the truck, looking it over a little to make sure it hadn't gotten too banged up, but before I could really get a look, the two guys, obviously rough fellas, were still grinning as they climbed out of their truck and sauntered up to me. I reached for my 38s and cursed, remembering I'd stowed it in the glove compartment. I decided to let them open the bidding, as my jacks or better was safely out of reach in the pickup. The driver spit something foul, thick, and runny on the ground and looked me over. What do we got here? What can I do for you fellas? I'm not from around here. You got me mixed up with some other feller, maybe? Maybe not, Sonny-o. The other one spoke up. This one was a lot younger, and I realized he was the balls and brains of the outfit, and twice as mean-looking as the dumb lug who lumbered from foot to foot beside him, grinning. You looking for Coyote? We're looking for him too. And we got cause. Yes, sir, we do. 
You a pal of his or what? Looking for him? Nah, not me. Never heard of him until this morning a few miles back in Las Cruces when some jokers in a bar were telling stories about him. Mostly just making fun of me, out of towner and all. You stiff you boys on some drinks or what? Yeah, well, that don't sound right by what we know. Skink, the barkeep back in Agua Caliente, said you was looking for Coyote. Came in asking for him by name and everything. Now, you got business with that boy like we do, then we don't got much need for interlopers and we'll do you just like we will Coyote. Now, if you're his kin or his pal, then you're taking us to him. Which will it be? The guy drew a length of rope off his belt and started towards me, while the other one pulled a large knife out of his boot and started grunting. I just stood my ground, glaring him down. There was nowhere to run and no way I could take out both of them, disable their truck and take off in mine before they had me trussed up like a pig for the spit. So I balled up my fist and readied myself to give good as I got, except for the knife of course. Somewhere in the back of my mind I hoped the librarian would get wind of all this and know I hadn't called it quits on our arrangement. Stealing myself for the onslaught of blows and locking eyes with the young guy as he barreled headlong towards me with his pal, I didn't notice the sudden rush of wind. A blur flew into my field of vision and grabbed the two guys, wadded them up like a bunch of old newspaper and threw them in a big heap on the ground. Then the blur was gone and everything was silent except for a sick gurgling from the mangled heap of meat used to be the young guy and his old sidekick. The only thing missing from them was their throats. Dashing to the pickup, I grabbed my thirty-eight and prepared to make a stand. But nothing happened. I didn't think there was anything out there in the desert big enough and fast enough to do that to two grown men and then just disappear. So I was thinking maybe it was some Indian magic, what they call medicine around here a thing I had absolutely no goddamn knowledge of whatsoever. I holed up in my car with my gun drawn for several minutes, but nobody else showed up, and all around it was just too quiet. I was about to get back on the road, figuring whatever had done this could find me if it wanted to, when another pair of headlights came out of nowhere, and then a rusty old pickup pulled up off the road, and the driver killed the lights. Stealing myself for the next round of the scuffle, I marveled at the guy who climbed out of that truck. He was about my height, around six foot in dusty jeans and ratty-looking worn boots and nothing but a fringed leather vest topside. His lean, muscled chest, tanned dark as his boots. He sported a three-day beard and his reddish-yellow hair was done up in long braids. He wore a beat-up old black felt hat with a feather in it. I took him for an Indian at first, but Spidey screamed no. So I worked my hand magic and set my guard around me and jabbed the juju moppet in my pocket. Say, crew, them bounty hunters frenzy on. The stranger came walking up to the bodies and kicking their boots. He couldn't possibly think they were still alive. I didn't know who he was talking to since there was nobody else there. I looked around. No? Ah, don't mind me. I call everybody Crow. I never laid eyes on those two before today, but they meant me harm, and somebody or something saved my keister last minute. Good, he said, spitting to the side. Then he did something that floored me and forced a choke out of my mouth. 
The stranger unzipped his jeans and pulled out his manhood and then pissed all over the bodies while roaring with laughter. Bounty hunters, eh? Well, I'm going to get back on the road. No, you don't, Crow. He closed the distance between us and locked my neck in his arm. I could smell stale whiskey and tobacco on him and something else, sweet and sickly, and wondered what he'd had for supper. You ain't going nowhere in that old heap. Her days are up. Axles broke, two flats in the front, she's done for. He took off his hat and put it over his heart, making some sign with his hand in the air. Just like that, the switch flipped from normal folks' view to Spidey's territory. There was no way this guy could have seen what was wrong with my truck in the dark. And the speed with which he moved made me shiver. Besides, you go looking for a feller and he finds you first and saves you from a jam? You owe him a thank you and a shot of something good to drink. What you got on you? He grinned at me, his strange yellow eyes lighting up like a kid on Christmas morning. I'm guessing I'm in the company of none other than Coyote himself. That about right? And you did this to these two here in some way of yours. That's about right, Crow. And you best jump here on this pickup of mine. When she fires up, she don't wait for nobody. Where are we going? We'll see when we get there. You ride with Coyote, you gotta take your chances. We rode for a few miles in silence. Except for Coyote whistling something and then mumbling under his breath. After a while, I just had to know. You said back there I was looking for you. That's right, Crow. A man always comes looking for Coyote at a certain fork in his road. Got no choice. So, you ever heard of the librarian? Huh? What's that you say? The librarian. You know him? He tell you I was coming? What? A librarian? What's that? <sighs> librarian. Do you know the librarian from back east? A juju man of sorts. Oh, a librarian. Oh, I don't know. Hell, I don't do much book reading. What? You like books? You got any booze on you? Or some smokes? What? No, I got nothing on me except a change of clothes and a bedroll. I was getting really mad, thinking I'd gotten mixed up with the wrong guy. He had no finesse like the usual magic types I'd encountered before the librarian. Or because of him. But deep down, I knew I'd found Coyote. Whatever he was. And knew in the fullness of time, like always, the cards would all get dealt on the table. Alright, well, let's camp here for the night. Let me see if I can rustle up some grub, maybe. See if some of the crow around these parts has some drink I can barter or steal. Or find someone that owes me a favor. Plenty of them around. I pulled my duffel bag out of the back and a thin bedroll of coyotes and set up camp such as it was. Then he built up a big fire and I settled down. I was distracted by staring at the stars. Coyote jumped back in his truck and tore off without a word, leaving me staring at his taillights. I had no idea if he'd be back, if he'd gone looking for people who owed him, or what he could steal in the way of grub and booze, or if he was just having fun at my expense. So after a bit, I rolled up in my blankets and fell asleep. Something made me jerk wide awake, and I sat bolt upright. Coyote's truck was back, 
parked by the side of the road, but he was nowhere in sight, and the fire was down to nothing but a few red coals. Everything was dead quiet. I was about to go back to sleep, figuring he'd just gone off somewhere to relieve himself, but then jumped in surprise when the fire roared up to a blaze and seemed to light up the whole desert. Two corpses swung by their feet from a nearby tree not twenty feet from where I'd been sleeping. There'd been no tree when we settled down for the night, and sure as hell no corpses. I could see it was the two guys who had attacked me on the road, the bounty hunters. Coyote wandered into camp and stared at the sight while scratching his backside. Th that wasn't here when we made camp. Of course not, you damn fool. You think I'd set us down here for the night with them shades dangling there? Where'd they come from? Don't matter. What matters is we don't let a chance like this slip through our mitts. Now, since you're the greenhorn and all, I'll do right by you. Let you go first. Go first? What do you mean? Well, taking those damn things down, of course. Which one you want? Take your pick, but get on with it. We ain't got all night. These things go sour on you if you take too long getting them down. You ever smell one of those things when it's gone sour on you? Gone sour? What the hell are you talking about? I don't want a damned corpse. What the hell am I supposed to do with a dead man? And besides, how'd they get there? Who did this? Strung them up like this? You? You're saying you don't want one of these things? Hell no! You're sure and all. I'm sure as shit. Last chance. I don't want a damned corpse. I'm asking you, man, who did this to these guys? Well, alrighty then. Coyote sidled up to the corpses and cut one down, where it fell to the ground with a sickening, soggy thump. It was the damnedest thing I'd ever seen. Coyote turned his eyes on me, and for the first time I saw how they twinkled with something ancient and a far cry from human, and I remembered what the barkeep had said. This wasn't just some rangy cowpoke who called himself Coyote. This was the real deal. And I had no idea what that meant. Then he grabbed the dead man and shook him out as thin as a sheet, but dark as midnight and almost invisible. Coyote carefully folded it up like an old newspaper and stuck it into his back pocket. Then he took down the other one and did the same, but... Before folding it up and hiding it away somewhere, he tore off a piece and started chewing on it, licking his lips and grunting with satisfaction. Then he tore off some more and shoved it in my face. I almost puked where I stood. Coyote roared with laughter and slapped his knee. You don't want none? Damn good eating jerky if you ask me. Don't know when we'll get any more like it. Come on then, get your gear. We need to get back on the road by daybreak or them fellas are come looking for what we took off of them. What do you mean? What are those things? Who'll come looking for them? Crow, you gotta know a thing. Horse thieves and bounty hunter don't leave nothing behind but a shadow when they hung. Don't you know nothing besides your own name and where to wipe? Shadow? What's that good for? Well, if you don't know, then there's no harm waiting until we need one for you to find out. Now get your gear. We must have walked for a good two hours, Coyote bounding ahead and me lagging behind before he fell into step beside me. You hungry? Yeah, 
you find anything? He just threw his head back and howled. Then he bounded off toward the horizon and disappeared from sight. All I could do was stand there in shock. He came back a while later carrying a big turtle under his arm. He sat down in the dirt and turned the turtle over and cracked the shell gently on the belly with the handle butt of a knife he kept stuck in his belt behind his back. Coyote scooped out the live turtle and shoved it toward me, but I had no idea what he wanted me to do. Here you go. Now swallow her quick and whole and she won't bite. What the? I'm not eating that. Coyote shrugged, but didn't say a word. He just opened his mouth and swallowed the turtle whole in one gulp. Why did you kill it? We could have found something else. I was beginning to reject this whole setup. That this was the coyote the librarian sent me to find was clear, but I still had no idea what to do besides play along as best I could. But this was where I drew the line. I sat there and watched as Coyote went to work. Picking up a knot of something he called sage, he scrubbed the shell clean, then rubbed sand all over it till it was smooth and shiny. Then he shoved it into his back pocket, where it disappeared without a trace despite the size of the thing. He turned and headed back to the pickup. Come on, we still got a ways to go. Nobody's getting any younger. I'm still driving. I nodded without a word and jumped in the passenger side. The next day, we were making good time down the road to nowhere when Coyote slammed on the brakes and pulled off the road, sending me almost through the windshield. Ah! My forehead! It's going to be a hell of a lump. Now what? Well, now we wait. Wait? Wait for what? We're not waiting for anything. We're just waiting. That's it. I'm out of here. Suit yourself. Coyote shielded his eyes from the sun and grinned over at me. Then he got out of the truck and laid down against his bedroll and went back to his business of just waiting and staring off toward the horizon. I'm going. I meant it more this time than the first, but I found myself still just standing there with my hands in my pockets. So he said, happy trails. Alright, I'm heading back. Give me the keys. There is only one way back from here, Crow, you know that. And it sure as hell ain't in my pickup. And what would that be, damn it? I'll just hitch a ride if I have to. Then I remembered we hadn't seen another car on this road in a day and a half. South. Not the way you come. Only one way to get anywhere from here is to head due south. He waved his arm, sticking a bony finger in the direction I took to be due south. He looked at me but didn't do a thing. All right, then. But at least answer me something. I might. If I feel like it. Okay, now. I thought you were going to teach me some stuff. That's what I came looking to Coyote for. Teach you some stuff? <laughs> I look like a school marm to you. Yeah, and you haven't shown me anything. You just made me look at a bunch of weird nonsense and a whole lot of nothing more. Is that a fact? That is a fact. Okay, then. What about this corpse shadow I got here in my backside? The one I ate for lunch? Coyote dug around behind him and pulled out the black shadow of the bounty hunter, dangling it in my face. You don't see some high coyote magic in this shade? No, friend. I do not. Well, then. Let me show you a thing. Now you look here real close-like and listen twice as hard. I crossed my arms and took a stance, but wasn't inclined to believe much of anything at that moment. 
He held the shade by the top of its head. All right. I can see you don't think much of Coyote's medicine. But I ain't seen no... Before I could get a word out, Coyote stepped into the shade and disappeared from sight. But the... Then the shade appeared again and out stepped Coyote who folded it back up and stuffed it into his back pocket. Damn. That's right. Damn fine coyote medicine dangling right in front of your nose and you don't even see it coming. Now you listen to this. One of Coyote's best medicines is his way of hightailing it back and forth, to and fro from anywhere he sets his mind to. And I do mean anywhere on this earth or anywhere else. You got it? I get it. The shades are great for getting out of all sorts of jams. The strung up bounty hunter variety? Well, they're the best ones for long distance travel and they last longer than most shades. Why I bet I could get good 10 passes out of each one before I have to bury them in the dirt and wash myself clean of it. No, sir. You can't do any sort of coyote business without them shades. Why didn't you tell me? Because you was too damn impatient. I asked if you wanted one of them. Even said you could take the first cut and grab the one you wanted. But no, you wanted nothing to do with it. So I saw no damn reason not to take both of them for myself. I marveled, despite myself at this whole new kind of magic I'd never seen, nor heard of, nor fathomed before. Not even with Mama Cartwright. Well, is that all there is to it, then? Is that all there is? I could feel myself turn red as a blister, and I had to look away. No, it ain't all. He sidled up real close and looked me dead in the eye. It ain't all by a long shot. Then he sat down and pulled the turtle shell from his backside pocket. What about this? You said you was hungry. Well, I was. But I don't care much for turtle cooked. Much less raw. And I don't eat anything alive. What do you take me for? I'd take you for someone who was hungry to learn a thing or two about the coyote medicine way. Seems I was wrong. I do, but what's some damn turtle got to do with it? Well, it's got a whole lot to do with it. I scoured these hills looking for a turtle who'd give himself up for you. None of them wanted anything to do with some silly ass from back east still green in the way of things. But finally, this old turtle woman. She hadn't got long to live, so she was happy to help Coyote out in a pinch. For a good cause. What are you talking about? I'm talking about the Coyote medicine rattle I made for myself out of one of their shells long ago. In the before time. I used to call things to me. Friends, sometimes. Allies, mostly. Crow, more than not. The real crow. Why, Coyote even calls down the stars themselves with that rattle. And they dance with him. And sing around his bonfire on the coldest night of the year. It's like tradition. Been going on for some time now. Long before your kind ever came. But I don't... Now hush your lip. You ask Coyote something, you keep your yap shut till he's done telling it. That was going to be your own rattle to start learning the Coyote way of calling things you need. You never see Coyote carrying a sack or anything of the like. But have you ever seen him come up short of his needs? No, sir, you have not. And you can bet the ace of spades you never will. We sat for a while on a huge rock. Me just staring into space and Coyote staring at me. After a while, he poked me with the toe of his boot. What? Ain't you gonna ask me what I'm doing now? I know what you're doing. And what's that? You're waiting. 
just waiting. Well, now we're getting somewhere. And what exactly is this waiting? Uh, how the hell do I know? Just killing time, I guess. While you figure out what to do. How do I know? Yeah, I suppose you're right. Then again, maybe it's like this. One of the biggest pieces of the coyote medicine way is his weights. You heard it before. I know you have coyote weights. There's songs called that. And stories too. Lots of them. You ever wonder why? I don't know. And don't much care at this point. Sure. You don't care. You got better things to do. Best get out there walking. I saw Death out there nosing around and he was asking after you. But let me tell you about Coyote and his waiting around. If you have a mind to hear and you want to keep that old boy out there waiting a bit longer. I just nodded, certain that if I wandered out there again, Death would indeed cart my ass off. If I sit here on this rock long enough, it'll be tomorrow, or next week, or a hundred years from now. Just like you. But here's the thing. Coyote waits a whole lot faster than you do. So a hundred years of coyote time ain't the same as your time. I sit here like this for an hour, if I have a mind to. It'll be ten years or more gone by. That's the waiting forward part. But then there's the waiting backwards part of the thing where if coyote waits long enough, it's yesterday, or last week, or a hundred years ago, or even the before times. Well, now that's something. I had to admit, that caught my interest. I could see where this could be going, and how it might be useful to me in my dealings with the librarian. Coyote waits sideways too. Not only between now and then, but between here and there. There is any place at all outside the world that's any place at all except here. If I hanker to go there, hell, it don't even have to be a real place. Not just up and go. You got my drift? Coyote had one eye arching toward me like he was hoping I'd say something that just wasn't plain stupid. I got it. So, the way I see it, there are three kinds of coyote medicine you got no damn use for. So there's nothing left for you now except to head south. You'd best get on your way. Nightfall's no kind of place for a guy with no medicine. Coyote shook his head, then closed his eyes and went to sleep. And that little rag doll you got in your pocket ain't no good out here. I just sat there, not even sure what to do. I could head back south, but I'd never been much good at south. South would mean going back to the librarian empty-handed, and then we'd part ways for sure. I could wake Coyote now, but it'd just be more of the same. So I waited until he was snoring like a tornado, then I rifled through his pockets and pulled out the shade. I let it flap in the breeze a bit. Then I stepped inside. Behind me, I could hear Coyote tossing in his sleep, laughing. There was nothing here but the night sky above and below and all around as far as I could see. It was filled with stars and the sound of Coyote laughing at me. Before long, the mad wore off and I started laughing at myself too knowing nothing at all mattered except the coyote medicine, the juju, the hoo-ha, the magic, and all the stuff the librarian was steeped in, and he was shoving me into up to the eyeballs and past the gills to either swim like a champ or drown laughing. Sometime later, 
When I was back inside myself again, Coyote came up to me and looked me in the eyes. Well, I suppose you're ready to learn a thing or two now. I went all cold inside, even after everything I'd seen so far. He stepped around behind me and grabbed a hold of my hair while pulling the big buck knife out of his belt. I could hear the sound of him ripping the back of my shirt open. I went stiff when he pinched a handful of skin on my neck and pulled it tight like I'd seen Mama Cartwright do to a rabbit. I saw the stars again when he cut into me. When he sliced open the skin down my back from my neck to my butt. He was pulling it off me slow and careful, skinning me alive right where I stood, and there wasn't a damn thing I could do about it. I just looked up into the sky as the sun melted like golden tears over the mountains, and all the stars came back one by one. Next thing I knew, Coyote was sitting around the fire, grinning at me, and I was looking back at him with some kind of new eyes. He was cutting my skin up into pages and sewing them into a book. And then he stuck that book into his pocket, too. He was polishing up my spine bones and throwing them down, scattering them all around, waving his hand over them, and telling futures with them, and tall tales. I saw he had my leg bones, too. He'd made a rain stick out of one of them, and a drumbeat with the other, and painted them all over with signs and portents. There was a big crow sitting on his shoulder now, and I wondered if it was somebody I knew, then figured probably not. Without a thought, I dropped down onto all fours and bounded off into the night to count the stars in the far black sky, and to sing to them in my very own medicine song. That's how it all happened. It was a long, long time ago now. Not sure how long exactly. Maybe three days, maybe four, maybe as much as a week. When I got back to the librarian, I told him I'd rode with Coyote way out into the desert, and he asked me why. It's simple. With Coyote, you didn't have to pretend anything. Least of all, even to be human. It's all about the magic with him, and nothing else. I told the librarian all about the book Coyote had made out of my own hide, while I let him do it to me, and the fact nobody will ever read what's written down there except me, not even him. I told him about the shade folded up in my back pocket, and how I could get in seven or eight good passes out of it. I asked him if he wanted to see it, and he said no. Then I told him all about the rain stick and the drum beats that had been my legs and the telling bones that was my spine. And he just listened, nodding. And I think once or twice, he even smiled. You see, when Coyote laughs and dances you up and down under the stars, and he won't quit until his sides split open and you think he's going to pee himself and death is out there somewhere asking after you, you'd better dance with him because heading south is just no way for a man. A magic man, a juju man, a man born to strange medicines to live. <laughs>